Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. To me, I, mean, I think that's the most critical thing. And as I look for people coming into my FP&A organization, that's one of the, the key things that I focus on is, are you comfortable working in an environment where not everything is known? We have to make assumptions. We have to do analyses where we want a set of information and insights that may not fully exist. So how can we take what we have and you know, make very clear, logical assumptions about that and then apply that and, and come up with a, an opinion that we can use to share with our business partners. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers. Now, you've just heard from Galian Thompson, our guest mentor this week, and Galian has held a number of finance VP, senior VP, and group VP roles across the financial services and health solution sectors, and is also currently serving on the board of directors for the Association of Finance Professionals. And it was fantastic having Galian on the show because Galen helped us deconstruct some key areas that a lot of uh, fellow finance professionals have questions around, uh, particularly how we should be responding to failure. And, and I think her point about getting uncomf- comfortable around the gray or being comfortable with the uncomfortable because of the things we have to do and what people expect us to do is a very important trait to have today in team members. But it also allows us to be a bit more strategic as well as what Galian sort of shares from her own experience uh, help us better prepare for roles we might decide to take on outside of finance. And, and Galian recounts uh, some of her experiences in doing that. And then we come back into finance and talk about you know, some of the skills and how to develop them and th- steps we could take to also walk in the trenches with our business partners, particularly if we're in the area of FP&A and business partnering. And also we sort of end our conversation around talking about how we can better leverage the wider finance community and use that as a safe space to ask these questions so we're all learn and grow. So, so look, I really enjoyed the conversation with Galian. Her passion comes through in terms of how we can help our profession learn and grow. Now, if you enjoyed the episode, you can do a few things. You can check out the timestamp show notes, key quotes, resources, and ways to connect with Galian at sitnshow.com and you can also let your friends and colleagues know we always appreciate when we have new listeners subscribe to the strength in the numbers podcast and they can do that on all the major platforms itunes stitcher soundcloud youtube and spotify that's enough for me and without further ado over to galian and the show so galian welcome to the show thank you happy to be here and it's our pleasure to, to have you on the show today, Galian. And look, thank you for making the time. And and there was actually a, a former guest mentor on the show recommended, uh, you know, we should bring you on and share you with our audience. So before we get into the main part, would you mind maybe sharing with us a brief uh, story of your journey in accounting finance, please? Certainly. I've been in the space, I would say, 17 years total. But the one thing I would say about my career looking back is that I've always been a finance person at heart. This has always been my passion. But when I look at how my career has evolved, it's been a bit of a journey where I periodically will step outside of a finance role and go into 
vendor management or product management or technology. So in some respects, I feel like it's a, a fairly untraditional approach. But the other hand, I also feel like that's more of the future, especially in my area of expertise, which is FP&A, where having that diversity of experience, diversity of thought, having you know, stepped out of finance and, and you know, walked a mile in the shoes of our product partners and our mm. vendor management mm. partners, I think really helps bring a new perspective that is very refreshing and very welcome to the, the business partners that we support. So uh, again, very atypical in some respects, but I think probably what's going to be more of something we see going forward in our profession. And I suppose for some of our, our audience listening and thinking about, okay, there might be an opportunity here to take a non-finance uh, sort of traditional role. I mean, um, what would you sort of maybe advise them maybe that the, it might be looked at as being um, not very strategic, if, if you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, how does that fit in? It looks a bit like a pinball, a, a pinball in a pinball machine, you're bouncing to different things outside of finance uh, when they're perhaps sort of looking to pursue a career in finance. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but some of our audience might be a bit nervous about that. So, so how, how do you help them maybe rationalize the, the right decision they need to make there? So I would start by saying absolutely consider it. Not necessarily absolutely take it, but absolutely <laughs> give it some thought. And the way that I've approached it, and, and again, I've never necessarily sought out those opportunities to step outside. Mm -hmm. It was more a function of I was in a finance role. I was doing a good job. I was demonstrating that I could get my head up out of my laptop and interact with the business and understand what's going on from a strategic perspective. So then as opportunities were opening up outside of finance, I was the first person that came to mind because I had demonstrated that I could operate and manage at that strategic level. Mm -hmm. And as those opportunities would come to bear, the very first thing I would think of is, what's the value that I have to give back to the organization? Yeah, yeah. And is that something that I could be successful in delivering that value back? And in multiple instances, after thinking through it, I, I came to that conclusion, yes, I think this not only do I have some skills and value that I can add, but this is a, a personal development opportunity for me as well. So I, I think that's something that people should think through. And the thing that I would also encourage folks to keep in mind is that it's okay to be uncomfortable. And you know, num <laughs> a number of the roles that I've gone into, I would say to myself, I've never done this before. And it's okay to come in and to ask questions and it's going to be okay to make mistakes. And that's actually one of the things that I've had to grapple with is that I, I have a, such a high bar, a high expectation for myself that it's okay to not be perfect, especially on you know your first month in, in this new role in a new part of the business that you've not worked in before. But I think as long as people do not let that sense of being uncomfortable turn into paralysis, and if you can push through that and find ways where you can grow professionally and see where you've got that benefit that you can give back, I would absolutely go running towards those opportunities. Yeah, but I think I think you did um, a, a great job explaining how you qualify them first to see or, and testing said, do you think I, I could add value in those or contribute value, sorry, in those? And um, I think another really important point is it's okay to make mistakes. Uh, you know, you're not alone in, in, in finance. We all have very high bars of being accurate and making sure what we say is uh, consistent and develop that credibility. But for those of us who do find in those uncomfortable scenarios, like, is there any sort of advice on how you overcome that potential paralysis of of, of being frightened to ask questions or, or make mistakes or, or, or even take the next step, whatever direction that is? 
I think the thing that's really important to keep in mind, and, and to be honest, I struggle with this personally, and I have to keep reminding myself of it, is that it's okay to fail. It's okay to make a mistake. And generally speaking, people don't get fired for making mistakes. They get fired for how they respond to them, or they get fired for mm. making the same mistake over and over and over. Mm, okay. And yeah. so the way that I try to position it is that I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid mistakes, to you know hit that high level of expectation that I set for myself. And when I fall short, understand why, you know, what could I have done differently, apply that going forward and make sure that doesn't happen again. And if anything, that can turn into an asset for you, because if people see, you know, something happened, it, it wasn't ideal and you were able to learn course correct, build upon it and then excel. I think that just shows resiliency and yes. that you're you're in it and you're in the trenches with folks and you're not going to give up. So as, as long as you are willing to learn and with that, sometimes a little bit of humility can help <laughs> yes. just apply, apply that going forward, then it's okay. So and I think that's the whole thing. You, it's okay as long as you have the right response to it. I'd say that's a great way of looking at it because like you know th th this challenge or whatever we're confronted with in our careers whatever's thrown at us it could end up being the best story or best experience we've ever had and it could make a great for a great story you know down the line that we could share with others about how we developed our resiliency it's um I was just trying to think even an interview I'd be fascinated to hear about someone's story how they overcame a challenge and and what they did and how they responded and picked themselves up and I, I suppose in terms of your career Galen like look you've it, done some fantastic roles but but I, I guess in terms of your mind what perhaps has been one of the more memorable experience if you could share one of those with our audience please when I look back over my career and this is actually an example of being outside of finance so I hope that's uh, okay <laughs> oh, in perfect. this yeah. you know, finance yeah. oriented podcast uh, but I had been promoted into a role as the head of product management uh, for a very strategic product stack within my company. And we were going down the path of a, a pretty significant product change that was going to have some very mixed reactions with our customers. And part of our business case anticipated the fact that we were going to lose some customers as a result. Oh. When we were looking at the data, it was you know largely unprofitable customers that we would be losing. And you know, they were given different options to address our product changes. But at the end of the day, we knew we would lose some customers. Mm -hmm. And we socialized the business case. We socialized the strategy. And we had executive buy-in and support, you know, all the way up and down through the organization. And so we were able to proceed. As we started to move into execution mode, I was thinking to myself, you know, Everyone says they're okay with account closures and with losing some accounts. But once it hits the fan, <laughs> I, there's going to be collective corporate amnesia and it's going to go out of control. So I worked with our marketing team in analytics and basically said, let's, we're going to define the criteria of those accounts that we think are going to be at risk. Let's flag them or, and we're going to monitor them. And then as we do start to see these account closures, I want to be able to go back and report how many of those closures were in that population where we said it was okay, where they were, you know, negative profitability to us and actually in the long run, we're better off. So fast forward, we're about six weeks into the new product changes and our accounts are tanking. We're, we're shedding accounts left and right. Oh, no. And as I thought, as I predicted, the, the executive feedback was, oh my gosh, what have yes. we done? 
And thankfully, I was able to show, like, before they had this kind of aha moment, every single week I'm reporting out, these are the accounts that we closed. Here's the collective net loss that we just avoided by these accounts walking out the door. And because we were proactive and because we were able to share this information starting with the very first week, every single week when we saw those account closures come in, I was immediately able to back it up with, and this is the loss that we just avoided. And as a result, even though I think a lot of people were very uncomfortable because you're in a sales organization, you want to see those numbers going up, not down, but because we have the foresight and the data to reinforce and prove this is going exactly as planned. Don't lose the faith. (laughs) We're going to keep going. And more importantly, if things do start to go in the wrong direction, we're going to find out about it in real time and we'll be able to step in and course correct. And again, because we had that foresight and we were able to anticipate our business partners' anxiety, their angst Mm -hmm. and concerns, we were able to stay the course. And once we got through that whole product conversion, it was actually revered as one of the best successes that we had had because we were able to effectively increase the profitability of our portfolio, minimize you know the client impact in terms of those that stayed with us. And we were able to demonstrate that you know, those accounts that we no longer had were actually part of what we had intended all along. And so you know, to me, I often think of our role in finance as you know, looking at a chessboard. Every decision that we make, whether it's a procedural, you know, how are we going to approach our budget this year or a strategic, you know, how are we going to deal with this particular challenge or, or a situation in our business? Every immediate decision we make, there's going to be a next step, a next step. And the more that we can be thinking about those next steps and anticipating what we need to do and how we need to prepare our partners, the more successful we're going to be. I, and by the way, I love I love that analogy of the chessboard. I, I'm just sort of trying to pull out some of the key words you said there. And one you, you dropped in there, Galen, was foresight. Um, because mm-hmm. I think I think we we read a lot and hear a lot about how how what we do is give give I meant to give great insights and develop influence. But but like I suppose you know that's great. It's great having insights. But if no one does anything with them, then then what value are they? But if you've got foresight. And and it's mm-hmm. sort of predictable and reliable. And as you were sort of saying, you're calling out these accounts that that are, are, are you know you're losing customers, and, and these accounts were sort of expected, and therefore it's okay. We're we're, we're losing accounts, but actually it's good for the business. It's it's uh, positions us much more strongly. We're we're going to have more profitability because we're losing less money. Is that what finance professionals need to be looking to to be better at? Is that foresight, that ability to identify the next step, and and sort of um, be there. F- be there and help our help our business partners on the journey on those next steps is, is that is that really what where finance is going in your mind absolutely and and i don't think it's because it's a, a nice thing or because i think of it more in terms of we need to go in that direction need to okay yeah, Sorry, as, right, yeah. we need to because it's for the survival of our profession you know if you think about what finance looked like 20 years ago we were, you know, as professionals, we were known for our heads being buried in our computers, you know, cranking out our loaded <laughs> note spreadsheets, and you know, give me an input and I'll give you an output all day long. Mm-hmm. But it was a very transactional way of supporting the business. Mm-hmm. And when you look at how the world has globalized, how automation has come in, and the, the leaps and bounds that we've seen in technology, a lot of those transactional services that we were providing are now 
automated with the click of a button, or they're being pushed to lower cost locations to be done at a fraction of the cost that we might be able to do in our home countries. And so as we see that transformation taking place, it doesn't mean that the role of finance is just going to be automated. It just means that we have to go moving further along that curve and adding more values, getting more face time in front of our business partners and actually being in the trenches with them because it's that type of partnership that you can't automate, that you can't necessarily move to another location. So for us, if you want to survive in this profession, which I think is an amazing and exciting profession, we have to get all of our colleagues start moving more along that spectrum where we become that indispensable partner where if our our business partner gets called into the CEO's office, the mm. first thing they do is come by and grab you by the shoulder and say, you're coming <laughs> with me because we're in this together. And and yeah. to me, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. where we really all need to be striving towards to be that indispensable business partner. And and to me, that's a big distinction between finance partner because it's one thing for them to come to you and want to understand the impact to my financials or what is my, you know, what's my forecast looking like. But when they start coming to you and asking you strategic questions about the business that has no immediate impact to your numbers, I think that's when you've you've crossed the bridge into you know the the promised land where you are truly an advisor to them on all things, not just finance and. I think that is exactly what we should be striving for, especially from an FP&A perspective. Yeah, because because I'm wondering, like, if, I think FP&A and, and finance business partnering started sprouting up as, as terms like in the sort of the, the 1960s, 1970s, and we're using them much more nowadays. But have we really, I mean, I sort of got a sensing from what you're saying, right? actually, should we be moving beyond FP&A, beyond finance partnering and be, be the sort of business advisor you're suggesting? Is it, should we be looking to call ourselves something different? You know, I've been in a number of roundtable discussions where that very topic has come up. And in fact, <laughs> one of the, the debates is, should we be finance planning and financial planning and analysis or business planning business and analysis? Business planning analysis, yeah, yeah. And this is where I think, especially with the rise in the technology tools that we have, those lines do get very, very blurred. And a lot of companies today are standing up business analysis teams where the, those are the teams managing the data lakes and you know, starting to implement artificial intelligence and tools like that. And I I think that there's definitely a blurring of the lines and different industries, different companies are going to draw those boundaries very differently, where one organization may pull more of those analytics into the the CFO world. And then there's others where that may fall more on the operations side. And I think a lot of it has to do with how the, the company structured their strategic priorities, and then sometimes just where you've got the raw skill set and yes. the thirst for knowledge to help promote and drive those types of analyses forward. Actually, you know, you mentioned skill set there. I just had this image in my head when when uh, business partners walking towards the CEO's office and they're grabbing you on the shoulder and, and pulling you along <laughs> with them to, to be in the trenches with them. I suppose... You know, that takes a different skill set to, to sitting at our desks in front of... Uh, by the way, thanks for reminding us how old I am. Lotus, one, two, three. I've had the privilege as well of, of, of using that those spreadsheets. I, I don't even know if they're around anymore. But... Um, but <laughs> I don't know either. But, but, just, yeah, but just saying, like, you know, I suppose that's a different skill set to the one that has to go and be in the trenches with them. So I suppose... Where do we should we be looking to evolve our skills to, um, to, be, to be more effective um, at that uh, for our business partners? To me, a lot of it is 
focusing on the softer skills of the way we interact and engage with our partners, a lot of emotional intelligence and building personal connections. Mm-hmm. I also think that we've got to be comfortable working in the gray. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a mindset and a skill that some people have and is very innate. I'd like to think that it's something people can learn, uh, although I think it just mm-hmm. kind of depends on how open-minded folks can be. But really, the more that I think it's that fundamental shift of getting out of the black and white and into being comfortable working in that gray area. To me, I, mean, I think that's the most critical thing. And as I look for people coming into my FPNA organization, that's one of the, the key things that I focus on is, are you comfortable working in an environment where not everything is known? We have to make assumptions. We have to do analyses where we want a set of information and insights that may not fully exist. So how can we take what we have and you know, make very clear, logical assumptions about that and then apply that and, and come up with a, an opinion that we can use to share with our business partners. And so for me, if you're able to hone that skill, or and, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think that can even be more contagious where if you have a team starting to infuse your team with some people that are able to think like that, then I think that's something that can start to spread and yeah. help folks get more comfortable working in that space. And then that's, I think, where we become better positioned to become that advisor, that, that person that no one wants to, you know, go into that CEO room <laughs> without. Because, you know, yeah. because a lot of, yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, our business leaders have to deal with that all the time. And yeah. they're constantly having to deal with unknowns. And so having someone at their side that is fully engaged, fully in the trenches with mm-hmm. them, dealing with those unknowns together, to me, is invaluable. You know, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I also want to believe that um, this ability to embrace the grey mm-hmm. is something we can learn because cause I'm just fearful if we don't, then some of us are left behind. But I do think there's still a lot of people in our profession, in our community, who still like that there's a, a large element of black and white about what we do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, sometimes even our business partners look to us for that black and white, just tell them how it is because... Um, you know, they, they want to know what the real picture is as well, you know, to cut through all the gray. So, I mean, exactly. is, there sort of any, is, there, is there any sort of words of encouragement we can say to people who are very comfortable being black and white about things? How can they fit in, you know, in this, this environment of increasing, increasing grayness, I guess, you know, blurring at the lines? <laughs> well, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I think it's being comfortable being uncomfortable. And... <laughs> realizing that there's an area we're going to have to step into and we don't have that pressure, that safety net of, Mm, you know, I I have all of my data and I can reconcile it down to the penny and I can tell you without a shadow (laughs) of a doubt, this is exactly what the answer is. The fact that there's going to be times where we're not going to get down to that level of precision and that's okay. Mm. Just recognizing some people may be very uncomfortable, but don't let that lack of comfort turn into paralysis or keep you from stretching and trying. And from what I found is that in any aspect of our profession, the more you do things where you feel uncomfortable, the next time you do it, it becomes a little bit more familiar. And that that level of uncomfort is not quite as extreme. And over time, it starts to go down. And before you know it, you're, you're living in that space and you never, you, you wonder what <laughs> so, the heck you were worked up about in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think yeah. you just have to be, it's okay to be uncomfortable is, again, something that I've just really tried to live my life by. 
Yeah, but, but it's, it's okay because you've gone through that journey. I just think some of our audience might might be just embarking on it, and it's just like, yeah, after a while, you won't even really notice it as much. Um, but it, exactly. it, it's a big because it is it, it is for some people a mindset shift. And I'm I was just thinking there, Galian, like when I was doing my accounting exams, it was always about getting things to balance and and trial balance, and things had to be in their right place, you know. So it was very black and white. No one ever mentioned the word directional <laughs> to me. You know, it's like, <laughs> yes. you know, it's like this holy grail. Of, <laughs> no, no, no. Like that word did not appear on one exam paper, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that, that's what I said. You know? Yes, so. and especially in this day and age, the word directional becomes your 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 favorite it's your best friend yeah. it's like someone's asked you for advice you just know you can't give them a black and white answer it's well you know it depends <laughs> but directionally <laughs> exactly do, yeah yeah so uh so yeah so uh yeah so at least at least we can laugh about it we you know if we're still around to tell the tale so uh i'm pretty sure those can make the leap too um but i mean look I, but i seriously really appreciate the great advice you've been sharing with us um but i suppose in terms of yourself what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received the things that helped propel me in my career is just having been fortunate to have a lot of great managers and mentors that really just believed that I had what it took to get to the next level, what regardless if it was in or outside of finance. And, you know, I think uh, there were a number of instances where, again, going back to what we first talked about at the top of the our discussion, when that first opportunity came to me that was outside of finance, and my immediate reaction was, uh, that's not what I do. <laughs> and my, I was very quick to initially say, I don't know that that's the right thing for me because it's not, I'm in finance. That's, you know, that's not a finance role. But having people, you know, really talk to me about, you know, well, you'd be really great at this. This is the skills that you bring. This is what we're looking for. And again, it's okay to come in and to do something different. You're, ask the questions and, you know, we're here to help you. You know, just, I think having that kind of, you know, support network has been really helpful. So, and and just knowing that I've got people that I can turn to along the way to ask, you know, guidance or or counsel in terms of how to address certain situations and so forth. So it's probably a, a series of just a ton of small, you know, tips and tricks along the way that have, you know, really made a difference, even though, you know, I can't think of just one overarching phrase or, you know, words of wisdom that would kind of encapsulate all of that. Yeah, well, well, I'm sort of, I'm sort of hoping, I actually, I do, I do get what you're saying, Galian, and I think some of our listeners will as well. It's that, um, you know, I think for anyone who, who feels like they've had a, a good career and enjoyed their career, that they, um, I think, I think it's not something we've done on our own. We've had a lot of help and nudges along the way, you know little tips and tricks that we've picked up from others that we you know we wouldn't have had the experiences uh or you know without and i was just sort of thinking you know it'd be great to think in, in a number of years time is that uh, we got a, another guest mentor on the show and we asked you know what's your best word of advice and i said well actually it's all the tips and tricks the other guest mentors on this show have been giving me over the last number of years <laughs> then then, exactly. I, then i think this would be great <laughs> you know yeah exactly well and you know this is just if i may for a second do a quick yeah. little sidebar here, I, I realize that you may have some listeners that are thinking to themselves, I've never had a good boss, or I, I don't <laughs> have that, you know, <laughs> I oh, hopefully yeah. that's a very, very small number. But I, I get that, you know, not everybody is blessed with, you know, strategic employee empowering mentors and managers. Yeah. And this is where I think our profession could be doing a lot better. Yeah. And that is building a sense of community within finance Definitely. and accounting. 
you know, if you think about it, I think our roles are the, the people that gravitate to these roles tend to be thought of as introverts. Again, you know, we're, we're behind our computers, cranking away on our spreadsheets all day. And the more that we can step out of that, not just in our day-to-day jobs with our business partners and our companies, but with each other and Definitely. looking for opportunities to connect online with groups on LinkedIn in local groups in your, your city for FP&A roundtables or, you know, finance and accounting lunch and learns and things like that, the more we can build that connectivity and that sense of community amongst ourselves, you're able to augment with whatever you do or don't get through your management ranks or your, your, your company network. So I think that's, that's one of the things that I've been really pleased to see over the last few years is how, you know, through the, the help of LinkedIn and conferences dedicated to our industry, there is this groundswell of community that, you know, today I've got so many people that I could reach out to, you know, if I want to get some advice or some guidance or just bounce some ideas off of that five years ago, I don't think I felt like I had. So to that end, I would encourage everyone listening to this, you know, look for those ways to, to get involved and to build your own personal network and your own personal community. Because when you combine that with the support and help that you get through your professional network and your company, you can be unstoppable. Wow. I mean, I, that, I mean, I, I'm honestly thing I'd say there, Galen, is that's, that's definitely not a sidebar. I think that's quite a key, key, key number of points you raise. You know, I think, uh, the importance of community. I, I mean, I, I would say like as has been an observer, and again, that's what strength in the numbers is. It is, it is trying to build a, the community by sharing knowledge and encouraging mm-hmm. people to meet up and, and connect with the guest mentors. And, and I, I similarly feel likewise, having gone on this journey too, that uh, I, I feel fortunate if I could turn to someone to help me on, on an issue or something. I mean, that's a very powerful thing to have in your corner, particularly when it's, a, a, you know, embracing the gray and, and sort of trying to develop a, a more sustainable mindset uh, from a community perspective and actually makes it more fun, that human element, right? I mean, we're in this together. We're not exactly. alone. Exactly. And the other beautiful part of that is it, when I come into my, my role at my company every day, I may encounter situations where I've got a question or I want some advice, but I may not want to necessarily talk to my boss about it yeah. or one of my peers because I'm still trying to sort through it and, and get my head around it. And I, I might feel it risky to, to talk to somebody that's in my inner work circle, but having access to that community where it's really kind of a, a safe space where you can ask the questions that maybe you think are dumb only to find out they never are, <laughs> but yeah, they, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it can be very, it can be very empowering to know that you you've got this outlet and this this space where you're free to learn and to grow without repercussion. And the more that we can lean on each other and and build that again, the the more powerful we all can become in our, our own personal journeys. I'm just trying to think there. I mean, like if if someone was to sort of start that, I mean, I suppose we, we're probably further down the track having done that with our various. It's, you know, work and interacting with others. But Galen, in terms of someone, say, starting on that and they're brave enough just to take this advice on board and do something with it, you know, what's the first step do you think they could take? Honestly, when I think about these types of things, the first place I gravitate towards is LinkedIn because yeah. that is such a, a great place to, to find experience and, and folks in your industry and your profession. And honestly, starting to just look for people that where you feel like there could be some synergies where perhaps there's a mutual benefit that you could have by connecting with one another. 
and yeah. and sending sending an outreach, sending a LinkedIn request. Although I would recommend that you put some context. Yes. <laughs> on the, just don't send a blanket, you know, blind yeah. request. Uh, but again, but to me, like, I, I think that's great. Whenever I get a LinkedIn request that says, you know, I came across your profile, it looks like we have these three things in common and we could really help each other by being in the same network. Absolutely. That, that's exactly what I think this is all about. So I think that's a great place to start. And then I would also suggest looking for local professional associations. So oh, yeah. uh, I know there's the Association for Financial Professionals where they have a number of regional chapters along with the national conferences that they put on and, and look for ways to get involved with things like that because now you're in an oper- or in a space where you're in a room full of people that do what you do and you can exchange the business cards and start to build the connections face-to-face. So uh, I think those are probably the two best ways that I have found to build that community and really feel like I've got a, a whole army of professionals that mm-hmm. I could tap into. And likewise, I'm there for them if they ever need it. Exactly. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a two-way process, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's you're there for them as much as they're there for you. And, 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 mm-hmm. and you know, actually, you know, the, and actually, I like the way you suggested he started with LinkedIn. But, you know, one of the most uh, enjoyable things, uh, you know, being on, on this journey as well, Galen, is actually, I um, it was when you connect with someone on LinkedIn, say, and then you get the opportunity to meet in person, perhaps at a conference, or if you're traveling with work and you happen to be in the same city, and just catching mm-hmm. up for a coffee or, or a beer or some, or some lunch or something, it's just great. It just makes it a bit more real and, and it just increases the bond and uh, the memories and make, makes being a, a finance professional even more fun. You know, it's... Uh, there's another dimension to our work as well, I'm trying to say there. Oh, absolutely. And here's where I'm going to sound like that broken record again, because <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of people that go into the finance and accounting profession that tend to be more introverted. Mm-hmm. I put myself in that category. Yeah. And sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable to send that LinkedIn request to someone that you don't know or to know that you're traveling to Chicago and to look at your list of connections and find someone that lives there and reach out and suggest that you meet for coffee. It can be really uncomfortable doing that if that's not something that you've grown up doing, but that's where embrace it. It's, it's okay. <laughs> and, and just take the leap and, and do something to build that connection and you will, you'll never regret it. Uh, completely and, and you know what i think i think you know the thing that one as well is, is embrace being an introvert you know i mean if someone sort of says that you know they're nervous doing it and, and they're comfortable but they felt like they really needed to reach out most people would get that you know and respect that as mm-hmm. well um you know so i just encourage people to be themselves uh, in fact i think it would actually mm-hmm. be to their benefit to say that yeah it's a big step for them and, and like uh, like as someone in a similar boat galian like that's that's another thing like having these podcasts and to make sure that there's one up every week it's like this commitment that i have to reach out and talk to people you know because if i don't mm-hmm. i'm letting the community down so you know that's that's another way i sort of look at it as well is to keep me driving on is having these commitments to, to do it otherwise i probably wouldn't I'd, I'd go back into my comfort zone behind my desk and <laughs> and keep looking at my spreadsheets <laughs> so, you know. but uh but i no, look really appreciate uh, the great advice and um and i suppose you know if you were to maybe recommend any resources our audience check out that you found useful um what would they be so um, in full disclosure, I'm on the board of directors for the Association <laughs> for Financial Professionals, just to be clear. And, yep. I, and again, it's a nonprofit group that I have been involved with for a number of years and have found so much value in the content and the 
the opportunities to connect. And they've got a number of articles, particularly in the FP&A space, that talk about business partnering, it, it, upping your Excel skills, learning more about the new technologies that's coming into the FP&A space. So to me, that is my go-to source for what's the latest, most relevant topic that's impacting FP&A today. So I would highly encourage uh, at least your FP&A audience members to check out that organization. Definitely, and I will put a link to AFP in the in the show notes. I, I actually have to say I do to leverage those resources myself. I think what the AFP are doing are great. Um, so uh, so keep up the great work, uh, Galian, as well with AFP. I think it's um, I think it's awesome stuff. Well, thank you. And 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 then I suppose if uh, some of our audience wish to continue the conversation, um, where's the best place to connect with you? I'm guessing it's LinkedIn. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. So we, we, we'll put a link to that as well, Galian. And, um, you know, as we're sort of wrapping up, would you perhaps have maybe any other parting thoughts for our audience? I would just say that regardless of where you are in your professional journey, whether you're, you're continuing down the entrenched finance path or considering other opportunities outside, just keep pushing yourself and be, take those opportunities that might be a little bit uncomfortable because those are going to be the areas where you're going to grow the most and be able to bring that much more value back to your business partners. Well, what a great way to, to finish the podcast, Galen. Thank you so much for coming on the show and being a great mess, ment- I guess, mentor with us today. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.